Short and sweet, right? You've heard this one before, I presume. Well, it comes literally like right after the Good Samaritan story. I, I, think, it's, I think it's just really, there's something connecting these two, a sort of theme. But uh, first off, I want to say thank you to everybody for your continued engagement in the life and ministry here at Good Shepherd. Um, in the summer season, in this time of transition, you know, in this time of, of change in our congregation, some, some folks may take this summer transition time and just wait and see what happens. But your continued engagement has been so encouraging as our uh, survey has already had over 100-some responses to it. Uh, your continued giving is, is just filling us with gratitude for the ways that you support this mission and ministry here. And that's great. Um, I also, though, was looking, you're not just engaged. You're kind of really engaged because I look at our schedule of events and like the Our Life and the connection opportunities and I'm realizing summer doesn't really let up much at all at Good Shepherd. Camp, St. Cuthbert's Way, Family Connection, small groups. Scott Putoff, our director of online ministry, he often prints up our flyers for events that are coming up. And he came with, he goes, just so you are all aware, the event board is full. There's, all the flyers are there. We got them all. And I was like, that is a bunch of stuff going on, which is good. It's a congregation that is alive. We know the Spirit is at work in this place. But, very appropriate that this story comes at this time when we're talking about busyness. Uh, we reflect on this. If you don't know, our staff gets together for a staff meeting on Tuesday, and a lot of times we will open up the Bible and we will dwell in this word for a bit and ask ourselves, what is the word saying to us now? And reading this gospel lesson, I think all of us felt a little called out by Jesus going, you are very distracted as we had just gone through the schedule of events and who's going to take on what responsibilities, what's coming up, what do we need to have in the pipeline, all this stuff, and we were going, ooh, are we getting called out by this text? How about you? Is this season unfolding for you uh, a little more busy than usual? Is it something about this season? I don't know. Something's happening. I know one of the, what I do know, especially about Good Shepherd, is one of the most common responses I get from people about we're doing this discernment, right, of who we are as a congregation as we seek to call a new lead pastor. So we ask questions like, what's Good Shepherd to you? And so many people say the exact same thing, y'all. It's Good Shepherd is a congregation of doers. We like to do stuff. We get in there. We mix it up, you know. We love this. We find something. We plan for it. We execute. And I have to say, it's true. We come to you with like a need or something that our community could benefit from, and y'all respond so ambitiously, courageously, with such confidence that this is what we're called to do. And I love that, that we do. We do and we do and we do. I'm impressed by our faithful response. But again, this story are we being challenged to something else as well? I think last week's sermon lesson um, might be saying something very similar regarding perhaps what draws our focus, our concern. Who is our neighbor? Are we good neighbors? A shift in attention may be ordered again, because last week, Good Samaritan, what's the main point? What are the two things Jesus says is the most important thing in all the law and the prophets? It's love God and love neighbor and who is neighbor everybody and you are you're a neighbor so we're going to be good neighbors right so we got this first God love God and in loving God you will do likewise in loving your neighbor 
But immediately after this lesson, Jesus goes to this house, this home of Martha, it says. This is a family friend of his. This is Mary Martha Lazarus. This is a household he's been to before. These are people he's connected with. He goes in there, and Jesus again is confronted right away by someone who's ready for a teaching. Mary right away. We, don't, we know they know each other. So maybe Mary's meeting him and like, hey, I have a follow-up for that question I asked you last time. Or, hey, what have you been doing lately? What's been the word? What's happening? Mary wants to know everything that's going on with Jesus. Martha, we know, then decides to prepare for a guest, which super important work. That's hospitality. That's huge. So Martha's doing a thing of premier importance in their culture. And at first glance, we feel that Martha is distracted by the busyness, the hecticness of preparing a meal. But I would ask, what is really distracting her? What does she come to Jesus with? What is her gripe to Jesus? Is it, this is too big of a dinner? No, it's what? It's who? Her complaint is about Mary. Jesus, tell her to get up off her tush and help. I'm sick of this, Jesus. These are sisters. You can presume there's a history here. <laughs> like, this is so Mary. So Mary wants to talk theology with Jesus, doesn't ever want to wash a dish. So she's frustrated. She is preoccupied with Mary about not doing what she's supposed to do. She's not particularly preoccupied with just the chores or the work. I'm noticing a connection between love God, love neighbor in the first story and love God, love neighbor in this story. And I would argue Martha maybe has things flipped. I think she's doing a love neighbor, then love God. And you may be saying to yourself, what? That's, that's not what's happening. But hear me out. She's not really loving her neighbor in the traditional sense. What she is, is she is fully preoccupied with her sister or fully preoccupied with her neighbor, or fully preoccupied with the world of neighbors' expectations that she set this table now. Get this ready. Make it perfect. Jesus is here. It's all about how Mary is failing to adequately be a good servant. It's a preoccupation with the other, not a preoccupation with God, not a preoccupation with servanthood, Either way you slice it, Martha is concerned not with Jesus, but with Mary. Tell her to get up. So Jesus, of course, responds by saying, Martha, you are distracted by many things, he says. Notice he doesn't say, Martha, I don't want a dinner. He doesn't say, stop cooking and get out here. This is too early for dinner anyways, Martha. What are you doing? No. He's concerned about her preoccupation. He's concerned about her attention, her fixation. That this is not loving service. Because loving service is not a problem here. Preparing a meal for a guest. There is no fault in this. Setting a table for a stranger, for someone who is coming into your home. That is not a bad thing. However, a preoccupation with your expectations of others, a fixation on the missteps of your neighbor, or sister in this case, the attention she's giving to her sister 
is a priority, and that is missing the mark entirely. It's missing the mark because of why? Because it disrespects Jesus? Jesus is concerned that this preoccupation she has is not serving her at all. It's actually kind of ruining this thing she's doing. Loving service is now being wrecked because what she's doing is not yielding any sense of patience. Do you detect patience in her voice as she is livid about her sister? No. Do you detect a generosity of spirit in Martha as she's furious with her sister and demanding Jesus do something about it? Do we detect peace, love, or do we really honestly detect resentment, discouragement, frustration? Why am I even doing this? A good and loving servant of God is what Martha is, right? Attentive, a great host. She's trying to do it, but she is agitated and frustrated by her neighbor. All the thoughts are consumed by it, not in a joy of serving. So Jesus, being Jesus, offers a great word to kind of set her free, hopefully. Just like in the last story of the Good Samaritan, the person right now that you are presuming is not a good neighbor. Presuming is not a good example. Presuming is not the person, the hero of the story, is actually doing the better thing. The Samaritan you despise is actually a great example of a neighbor. The sister who is sitting on her rear end and not cooking is actually a really good example of putting first things first her relationship with Jesus and God. Have you ever been in a situation like this? And what I'm talking about is that feeling of, I have to do this. If I don't, who will? If I don't do this, I'm not uh, a good spouse. If I don't do this, I'm not a good host. If I don't do this, I'm not a good employee. If I don't do this, I'm not a good citizen. If I don't do this, you name it. Why am I doing this When nobody else seems to be worried about it. You ever have that happen? Or have you simply just had your attention on the wrong matters, taking a good thing and somehow feeling particularly bad about doing it? I had one of those. I had a bout of this the other day that I want to share with you. As I had gone on vacation, um, this was a vacation with my family to Disney, so I knew it wouldn't be relaxing. I understood. I found out we walked the same distance as St. Cuthbert's Way. That's embarrassing. And I definitely didn't do that much contemplative prayer. Like, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was going everywhere. So, in my opinion, I'm doing this thing, and I just felt this expectation. Well, if I'm doing this ding-dang thing, I'm doing this ding-dang thing. I'm going to ride all the rides, you guys. I'm going to go everywhere. I'm going to hit everything on the list, because this is expensive. I'm going to make it worth it. That's right. I'm going to do everything. And with that in my head, oftentimes while I'm pushing around a child, too tired to walk, mind you, I am thinking, rush, rush, rush. Rush, rush, rush. Get to the next thing. And I would say, what would happen when I get into that mode, in those moments, is I'd be so preoccupied with the next thing. I would never just take the time for this thing. You know what I mean? What's the next thing I got to do? I got to do this. To take the time with family. What's the next thing? What's the next scheduled activity? And in essence, I wasn't taking a break or a Sabbath from anything. I was fixated on doing as much as humanly possible. (laughs) Because that's the worst thing. Someone asks you, how are you? What's the most common response? Oh, busy, busy. (laughs) Busy, busy, because I can't say nothing. Because that's embarrassing. (laughs) 
well, you should do something. God, duh, go, be productive, right? I was just so rushed, rushed. I couldn't shake the hectic expectation of getting as much as I could, or I would be doing a bad job of vacationing. My question is, what would have been more fruitful? Is it my fear of missing out or my perhaps an opportunity to find peace? Is it a preoccupation with what the next thing is or perhaps dwelling in this moment of joy and time with my family? Grateful for perhaps a moment of calm. At times, I just didn't choose that at all. But I wonder if I had chosen that better thing. What would that have been like? How about you? You ever get caught up in expectations and tasks in justifying yourself? Or are you just rushing to the next thing? Rush, rush, rush. Do we have anything in that expectation we have that we are a congregation of doers? We do. We do things. I wonder, though, in doing, 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 are we a congregation that is responsive sometimes to the soft whisper? of the Holy Spirit, perhaps nudging us in a more thoughtful direction, intentional direction, a contemplative direction. I don't know. I wonder what it would look like in all of our lives to stop, to look, to listen, to hear what God is calling us to in these days. I wonder if we were to let go of that keeping up the pace, meeting expectations of a doer person in faith. Are we comfortable at all with simply being disciples who sit at the feet of Jesus, having a seat just for a moment, and hearing where God might be challenging us in a deeper obedience. See, this transition time we have as a congregation, I even hesitate to call it that, because I worry then we see this as some in-between time, in between the time we're really doing this thing. Today counts. Today is not a dress rehearsal. Today is not practice for tomorrow. Today is today, and today counts. Today counts. I mean, what would it look like if today, it's Sabbath. It's Sunday. It's a time of worship and rest. What would it look like to slow down as a household, to slow down from those many things that distract us and ask, what is God saying to me? Because today we worship, today we rest. And I would challenge Good Shepherd to rest with as much gusto as we do. What might we receive by sitting at the feet of Jesus a little longer this week? In your own schedules, adjusting our rhythms, an invitation is what I'm offering to consider in your scheduling, in your planning, in your activities. What if we try the better thing? Peace be with you. Amen.